God is the author of history, and because of the return of the Prince of Peace, may be closer than we think. <clears throat> I think the best way to wrap up with, is with scripture, upon which we can all rely, rely on this truth. And one that works for me is Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never forget, folks, just where our citizenship lies. And Titus 2, 11 to 14, this is a good one. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for their blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, <clears throat> excuse me, and to purify himself of people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Do you know what caught me there? Did you catch it? He said his very own. We, we're his very own. That's, that amazes me. I, j I just can't even wrap my head around that. And look at the smile. Put a smile on my face. Oh, my goodness. After the Holy Spirit um, led me to the compilation of this presentation, after I'd written it down and edited it for time, practiced reading it out loud numerous times, I realized that the Holy Spirit was prompting me to add a prayer at the end of this, and I said, oh, no. I wanted to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, but I've never been good at corporate prayer. You do a great job, but I just, I'm just not comfortable with it. So here's what I did. I said to the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I can't believe I did this. Lord, if you find one online, a prayer, closing prayer, online, I'll share it with the congregation. And after I said that to him, I thought, did I just try to bargain with God? Do you see what I'm say how I said it? But it, it was okay. It was okay. He came through with flying colors. And he found the prayer for me, and it's beautiful, and it's perfect, and I would like to share it with you all here, what the Holy Spirit has chosen for us this morning. It's, a, it's good. Please listen carefully. How grateful we are this day, Father, for the promise of Jesus' return. Make our hearts ready, Lord that we might watch and wait with great faith and eagerness in our hearts. We ask that you strengthen each and every one of us to say no to ungodliness and the passions of this world. We may be self-controlled, may we be self-controlled, upright and godly in all that we do as we wait for Jesus, our blessed hope, in order that we might be confident and unashamed before him when he comes.
We pray that all doubt and unbelief be destroyed and replaced with holy anticipation. Forgive us, Father, for the ways we have allowed ourselves to become entangled with the things of this world. We have allowed our hearts to be weighed down with the anxieties of life, and in so doing, our watchfulness for the coming of Jesus has been diminished. We have not been clear-minded. Awaken our hearts, O Lord, we pray. Instead of setting our minds on things above, our thoughts have become cluttered with the passing affairs of this world. Forgive us, Father, and heal your church. We have become inattentive to your work and weary as we wait. O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Revive our hearts once again and give us a fresh sense of urgency that produces greater love and devotion and a living out of our faith. May we be patient and stand firm as we wait. For surely your coming is near, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord Jesus, that when you return, you will find us dressed and ready for service with our lamps fully fueled and burning brightly. May we truly live as aliens and strangers in this world, ministering the love of Christ in word and deed. And finally, Lord Jesus, may we be always watching for your return and encouraging one another to continue that day to continue, that day could be today. The Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray. Amen and amen. Our next hymn is number 554, and it's a good one. I'll fly away. It comes from a book that I picked up years ago, written by Stuart Briscoe. And I thought, I like the book. It's all devotions for the entire year. And uh, so I decided to read them all to you. Yeah. It's only 365. I won't do leap year. But, you know, this year is the year of the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. It was supposed to be last year, but because of the COVID, they're having it this year, and it's abbreviated. They're not going to allow uh, spectators from outside of the, their country to come in. And uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's significant. Everybody sometime, somewhere looks at the Olympics, even if it's just on the news. But there's some reference in Scripture to Olympics, and it's found in Hebrews 12. Now we read... Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from the start to finish. When in 490 B.C. the Greeks won a vi mighty victory over the Persians, one of the victorious soldiers reputedly ran the 25 miles from Marathon to Athens to bring the good news to his compatriots. 
Many years later, in 1896, the modern Olympic Committee introduced a long-distance foot race, which they called the marathon. In 1924, the distance of the race was standardized at 25 miles, 385 yards. This race has now become the final event of the modern Olympic Games, a fitting climax to many athletic achievements. At the end of their grueling race, the competitors circle the track to the cheers of the people in the crowded stands. The original readers of the New Testament letters were familiar with the ancient Olympic Games, the precursors of the modern Olympics, so they had no difficulty getting the message when they read, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We too should have no trouble getting that message. Strict training, suitable clothing, skillful tactics, and enormous self-control and self-discipline are all critical factors in modern distance running. And the fact that the race is being run before huge viewing audiences adds to the intensity of the event for the competitors. So the modern believer is exhorted to run the life of faith seriously. He is not to enter the race casually, nor to participate in it half-heartedly. He is to run with intensity and endurance. The modern distance runner can look back to the feats of such great athletes as the chess runner, Czechs runner Emil Zapodek who won the 5,000 meters, the 10,000 meters, and the marathon at the 1952 Olympics. In the same way, the modern believer is encouraged to remember the feats of faith of such men as Abraham and Noah, Paul and Stephen, and to be encouraged and challenged by their examples. Above all, believers are to focus on Jesus, the originer and perfecter of our faith who sits at the finish line. It was he who showed us the way, enduring the pain, steadfastly completing his task, and triumphantly triumphing over the enemy. And it is following him that we run, under his watchful eye and loving care. It is for him we compete, and it is to him that we spread, speed our way through life. He will not award us a physical gold medal, but, he, but we can anticipate a glorious welcome at the end of our race. Finishing well and seeing him will be reward enough. We have two final hymns, ladies and gentlemen. It is well with my soul and he lives. Let's turn to 493 and number 220 as a 